get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. It's Tuttle's Daily Podcast. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm not going to plug anything. I'm not playing any spots during this show because... I have a very special guest, the one and only Naomi Bradshaw, the wife of the one and only famous, world-famous program director at Real Radio 104.1, Jack Bradshaw. So I was able to sit down with her for an hour. We were able to talk about everything we've both been through, and I hope you enjoy it. This is something that I have been looking forward to all week long when i when when i first read her website and blog it hit me very very personally because i've been through a lot as well now i've always had respect one of my favorite couples that i've known in radio because what i've learned from radio a lot of the radio guys and i'm one of them didn't my my marriage was not successful as i wanted to be and when i look at my next guest Naomi Bradshaw and Jack Bradshaw, that was like the model marriage that I always looked at because that couple looked like they always had their shit together, never argued, and 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 I always had the most respect for them. But on on with me right now is Naomi Bradshaw. What's up, Naomi? How are you? What's up? How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing wonderful. I, I, you know what though? I'm, you know, even though I'm not working in radio right now, this is the best that I've ever been personally. And, and, and it makes me feel good. And I hope that makes sense to you because getting yourself right personally is so important because if you're not right personally, you're never going to be able to be right in other things. That's right. Of course. Now, I, now I've, been, I've been reading your blog, and I, and I want to talk about this okay. because I am so inspired by everything you've written. Tell people if they want to check out your blog and your website, where can they find it at? Well, we just put out the first blog last week, and it can be found at ChasingTrauma.com and on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Tracing Trauma is the hashtag. Now, I've known you for quite a while, and I had no idea. And I, I hope that's not offensive at all, but <laughs> I really didn't. You seemed like you lived the perfect modeled life. And, <laughs> and, 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 but I, I'm so proud of you because it takes a lot of strength to be able to write what you've written and pitch yourself out there like the way you have. Why did you decide to do that? Well, when I finally started feeling like I knew what I was doing in life and I wasn't uh, sabotaging myself so much, I was so grateful to have found a path for healing that I wanted, it to, sh I wanted to share it with other people, you know, because I've always been a person that likes to share things and I always had a desire to help people, but I couldn't get out of my own way. <laughs> yeah. I was always trying to accomplish goals and help others but i would always end up having some bad thing happen you know of course it was somebody else's fault 
you know, but I could never uh, achieve my goals, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is me, okay? And, yeah. and I don't know how much you know, but um, back in last September, I had, uh, I, I tried to commit suicide. And, and, and it was a dumb decision at the point, at the time. But I wanted to share it with people. A lot of people asked me when, when I did what I did because I did it. Well, I mean, getting up in the morning, I, I, I did what I did before going into the radio show, failed. But when I went in there, I, I talked about it because I wanted to hold myself accountable because I, I, did, I thought if I didn't tell people that I may try it again, but I also wanted to help the people that are also listening to the show that I was on in case they were going through something like I was. And I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I think it was a cry for help as well, don't you think? Yes, I, yes, I do. I really do. Thank God that you did do that because it took a lot of courage for you to bring that forward. And that is because when you've been traumatized in any way as a child, your little brain just can't fathom why the people that are supposed to love you and take care of you or the people that you trust have done terrible things to you. So when you're an adult, you know, you have this way of surviving that was designed for a traumatized little kid. And you just can't make good decisions as an adult that way, you know? Now, now... Now, one of the things I, and, and I do agree with you, okay, the brain can be your best protector, but it can also play tricks on you. That's it, it. It's, weird, it's weird how amazing, and I don't think we'll ever understand how the brain truly works, mm-hmm. because on one, on one side, it protects you, it helps you block things out, mm-hmm. because they're so traumatic to you in the past, when you're that age, that your body knows that it can't handle that. You're you're young and you're innocent. Yep. But when you get older, you you're you're able to handle those things, and 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 your brain's able to comp- uh, compute them better. And I think that's how they come back because there are some things that happened to me in my childhood mm-hmm. that I blocked out a lot. And then mm-hmm. when I was in the hospital after my attempted suicide, they came rushing back because. In my brain, the whole time, I didn't even think they were real. Does, I mean, does, does that make sense? Yeah, flashbacks. That's what you're yeah. having. You're having flashbacks. I have a friend. His name is Jay Aaron Sanders. And mm. he has a, a really great blog called 72 Hour Hold. And yes, I did read some of it. Yeah, he had a, a, an experience, a experience that was similar in that he didn't know that he was a trauma survivor. He was an alcoholic and, a, and a, a person that was sober for 10 years and doing great. And then all of a sudden, he started having these thoughts in his mind and these scenes and these flashbacks. And it was so troubling to him because he was having a great life. He had a great girlfriend. Everything was going great. And all of a sudden, he's running around in the traffic having a panic attack. And so he ended up getting Baker acted, you know. And that's yeah, when he finally had to come to terms with his childhood trauma. And, and there's all kinds of new therapies that they've had around since the late 80s. One of them is called EMDR therapy. 
And it's kind of a way of untangling the wires inside your brain so that you look at what happened to you like an observer instead of somebody that's caught up in a nightmare. Yeah. And that's freedom uh, from torture. I don't know about you, but I yeah. have all these things in my mind for the longest time. Like, I'm a piece of shit. I don't deserve to live. You know, everybody is fooled by you, Naomi. Who do you think you are? And it was like all these voices on loop and nobody else knew. And only Jack, who lived with <clears> me, <throat> would witness this perfectly lovely individual that he cared about melt down on a regular basis and turn into a four-year-old, which is mm. where that trauma came from. Came from now, that four-year-old, you know? Now, something, now that you brought it up, now, and, and if, I'm, if I'm prying too deeply now, did, did, your, did, does, did Jack know everything that you've been through or, or was there a certain point where you shared that? I mean, I, I'm just, I, because I wanted to get into that because I think one of the greatest things of having a spouse that you can count on, yeah. like, I, I want to know how much he's played in to you being able to accept what you've been through and help you. Uh, well, first of all, Jack Bradshaw is a saint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because when you don't love yourself, um, unfortunately, you will put the people closest to you through hell because they don't understand about that internal battle that's happening inside of you. They but have no been idea. Time, has there been a time where Jack came to you and said, hey, you might want to blow a time out and you need to, you know, figure things out and not, not, not saying that he wasn't being supportive, but yeah. he just kind of, because I know I needed that for people to call me on my bullshit. All right, well, let bit. me ask you a question about that. How many women have you said that to when they're pissed off? <laughs> well, no, no, trust me. That's why I'm not married anymore, Naomi. <laughs> so with art, with a woman, it's a different situation. You know, Jack has always been super respectful of me, and he's always been wanting to make me happy because he loves me. And mm -hmm. I love him. But back then, because I didn't love myself, I was not trusting of anyone's love. Yep. And when you go into a relationship and there isn't trust, there isn't, you know, as good of a relationship as there can be. So yeah. that's the main thing that we had to work on you know, is just me winning that trust back from everybody in the family. Because when you are uh, drinking and then the bad consequences happen, then you don't, you're shamed, you feel ashamed. And then I went to AA, which is a great organization. But when you're a trauma survivor, there's a disconnect because it's, yep. it's like the trauma people and the AA people don't talk to each other. And so when I went to AA, I was kind of triggered by some of the things they were saying and, you know, the God thing. I, I listen, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I agree <laughs> with you 100 percent because I've there. done the AA before and, 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 and hearing other people's stories. Yes, it, it, it helps me, but it's also it, it kind of triggers something in my head. And that's because you're a trauma survivor. And this is what you need to know about that. Uh, trauma can be dealt with. And there is a path. 
and you can be happy and you can have relationships and be in love and you can make your dreams come true, but you've got to do some work. And the first thing you have to do is I have a book I want you to get. Okay. This is your homework. Yeah. It's called the body keeps the score by mm -hmm. Bessel van der Kolk. Okay. And okay. From a Bible and it will explain to you that you're not broken. There's not, and that's, you know, you're not, it, we're not broken. We just have a brain chemistry that has been altered. If you break a plate, okay, you could glue the plate back together, but it's never going to be the same. Okay. Yeah. Right. And you have yeah. to, honor that. you have to always take care of yourself. You always have to do work on uh, therapy. You always have to take care of your body and eat right and exercise and try you know there's another book it's called the four agreements okay this one has four things in it if you try to change those things in your life it would make your whole life better and one thing is be impeccable with your word that means don't talk bad about yourself <clears throat> yeah. don't talk bad about other people right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and realize that your word is so powerful right and when being in the communication that is super important the other thing is uh don't take things personally that is yeah. my worst one because i get butt hurt a lot do you want to know can a can i can i tell you how i relate with that working <laughs> in radio i i oh every time i got i got let go from a radio station, I took it so personally. And you want to know what happened to me? I lashed out. I lashed out at the people that I that were my friends that you did so much. We have, go ahead. You know why? Why? Because hurt people hurt people. That's why. Yeah. And oh, you're hurting so inside. You want to hurt other people. You want to make them feel miserable. And you're just coming from a position of a small child. And a lot of times your trauma, whatever age it was, I revert, like I happened at four is one thing that happened. Then when I was eight, another thing happened. And then another thing happened when I was 13. So mm -hmm. I kind of have these three aspects of immaturity to my personality that I can trace back to bad situations mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, every time. But now that I'm not drinking, you know, I might, cut my own hair or yeah. do something, yell at someone. I'm, but I'm not driving a car and I'm not doing some of the terrible things I was doing before. So progress, right? I, <laughs> I made so many bad decisions. Now, yeah. can you pinpoint a time? Because it's not that we wanted to, to just, we, it's not that we didn't like the feeling of getting messed up by yeah. drinking it was that we were self-medicating right now now were you ever like on and you don't have to tell me if you don't want to but like were you ever prescribed because one of my problems was all the psychotropic drugs that i was prescribed it was just like they wanted to throw medicine at me okay. and and i couldn't feel anything i was in the middle i never felt right. low but i never felt happy and well, i would I, go ahead um, I've heard that before from a lot of people and I read about it in the book that I was just telling you about. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, they try to throw medicine at these types of problems because that's what was available and working back 
you know, years ago. But about 50 years ago, things started to change and different types of therapies and theories started to come out. And uh, Dr. Vanderkolk was one of the pioneers that was at the head of all that, you know, research. And instead of medicating, they were work- he was working with PTSD survivors from war. Yeah. They were finding out a lot of things that can work that are not drug related. Like the, what happens when you get traumatized, there's a separation in your body and your mind. And so what we do is that we get so overwhelmed from our emotions because we're disconnected that we do whatever we can to medicate and smoosh those emotions, you know? And then that brings a whole bunch of trouble in itself, right? Yes. You got chaos I, happening. Now, now let me ask you though. All right. I'm not drinking, but how do you feel about, you know, me- medical marijuana is legal here in the state of Florida. How do you feel about people using that? I know you're living a life of sobriety. <laughs> I have no problem with that for people treating their anxiety and stuff. Right. Well, what I was saying about, uh, you know, before I get to the medical marijuana, just yeah. to finish up on the, the psychotropic kind of drugs. Yeah. I have daughters and, and they're taking some different kinds of medications that doctors prescribe to them specifically for whatever ailments they have. So, I, you know, uh, and I have some medications for my thyroid, you know, uh, mm. these kinds of pharmaceutical medications are not necessarily evil if they're used in the proper way. And if the root causes of whatever the problem is are addressed, right? You don't, yeah, no, I you don't. You get a cut and then it gets infected and then you just put a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and then you got to put some medicine on it and then you put the Band-Aid on it. There's a lot of steps to healing, not just medication, which could absolutely be medical marijuana. My psychiatrist, uh, I mean, my psychologist, rather, she <laughs> prescribed me... She told me I had CPTSD, which is complex PTSD. And Mm. I, uh, I was very hesitant to take any type of, you know, Zoloft or, you know, whatever, Wellbutrin and those things. I just didn't want to. I wanted to try to go the natural route if I could. So for me, what worked is regular yoga. Because as it really, yes, as it says in that book, it really helps to connect the mind and body. And that's a problem with trauma survivors. Also, I got my medical marijuana card and Mm. I take the Indica capsules at night to go to bed. I got my vape pen, you know, Mm. and um, because I, even though I've had two years of EMDR therapy and I've made great strides because I'm talking to you here today and I've been sober for a year through a pandemic, through going no contact with my father, Uh, And through a hospitalization of a family member. I mean, I went through all those things and I still stayed sober. And that was because of the results of that hard work for those two years. But that doesn't mean that I'm cured. I still have triggers. You're always going to be an alcoholic. A lot of people don't realize that you can can slip at any time. Um, Yes, but let me just say one thing about that because. Before I had this therapy, I was triggered to, I was tempted to drink alcohol very often and I kept it to myself and I didn't tell anybody. Okay. And then I felt shame about it. The difference 
is after I got this EMDR therapy, I went through all that stuff. I didn't even crave it one time. I ne if I even it passed in my mind because Jack drinks a still and my daughter's 21. Does that bother you though? Because it doesn't bother me. No, it didn't because that therapy made a difference in my mind so that suddenly I didn't want to sabotage myself anymore. I love myself too much and I've d gone through too much and I am proud of myself now. And so it, I would never go back. And that's the difference between me now and before EMDR therapy. Now, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong by this, but I've been doing a lot of reading on it. I think there is a big connection to people that are natural entertainers. A lot of people don't know this. And if you're new to, to my podcast, you are a very talented singer. Some of the, well, one of the best uh, national anthems I've ever heard in my life. I've gone and seen a lot of your concerts. Do you think that there's any connection? Because a lot of the radio guys I've worked with that are entertainers, a lot of the singers, do you think there's any connection between, you know, entertainers? Because I've seen you on stage. You seem like you're the most confident person I've ever seen on stage. And I do believe that there's a little bit of a connection between people that entertain for a living and addiction problems. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm off basis. Mm, well, um, I know there's a connection between, you know, uh, trauma and addiction. And I know that uh, people, you know, that have been through trauma will find ways to please their caregivers, whatever yeah. way they can. Have you seen the movie Cracked Up uh, with Daryl Hammond from Saturday Night Live? I've heard about it. I've seen the trailer, but no. And yeah. I've met Daryl a lot of times, and I know he's had a lot of problems yeah. dealing with stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, he so was talking I, about, I need to watch it. Yeah, in the movie, he was talking about, the, you know, his mother was very abusive to him, and she was highly volatile and unpredictable. And he, in one scene, he talked about his mother was sitting at the piano and you know playing it and all of a sudden he did an in uh, impersonation and a voice and she turned to him and she was like <gasps> and she, all of a sudden all of her energy was on him exclusively and she was like that's wonderful do it again and all of a sudden it something hit him inside that was like "Ooh, i need to do that again and i think a lot of us who went through trauma are very much sensitive in that way that we find out whatever it is that makes them happy, whether it is telling our jokes or singing our songs, whatever it takes not to get our ass kicked or yeah. get molested again, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I laugh because it's an uncomfortable thing. It's like okay, a mechanism. But, but what I'm saying laugh. is that I've been through it and, and I don't deal with uncomfortable situations very well. But what I'm saying is, I've known you for a while and you have like, I was completely, and, I, and I'm not judging. I just, I never knew when I read your blog for the first time, because I always saw you as a strong, confident woman. And, and, but I, I got to give you credit for putting yourself out there the way that you have. That's um, why I'm doing it. Because I, but, but yeah. you're trying to help other people, Absolutely. but it's also good for you. It's like your therapy almost. And yeah, that's yeah. what helped me because so many people, 
you know, me going in and talking about the day that I that I tried to commit suicide, if I didn't talk about that, I would have never been Baker acted and I would have never been in the hospital for 10 days. But I think even though I went through all that, it was for the best. Yes, you're here today, aren't you? Yes. If you I, want to I, suppress that, come on. Yeah. That's but, messed up. That's stinking thinking there, buddy. But there's a <laughs> lot. But I do agree, though. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be changed. Because uh -huh. when I was in there, you don't get the treatment no. that you need. Because no. their only their only goal is to make sure you don't harm yourself. Sure. And and you really don't get to talk one on one with a psychiatrist or it's a therapist. That's what like it that. is. It's yeah. a wake up call. No, yeah, because I knew I never wanted to be in that place again. Right. It's not it's not that I got my head right. I just knew I never wanted to be in that hellhole again. Well, I hate to tell you, but just between me and you, our heads <laughs> may never be right. Yeah. And that's no, it okay. Won't be. And I'm it won't fine be. with that. Because you know what? Like you said, a lot of people that you've noticed that they have this wonderful creativity and these talents, but they also have this dark side as well. And one comes with the other. And I was watching Daryl Hammond was doing a webinar with Bessel van der Kolk and Jane yeah. And they were talking about generational trauma. And Jane Fonda asked Daryl Hammond, she said, if you could trade your talent and never have your trauma, would you do it? And I was like, oh, no, she did. I couldn't believe she said the balls, Jane, balls. And Daryl said, oh, well, I never would have wanted it to happen. You know, I, I would choose to have it never happen. You know, yeah. and I thought about that and I was like, well, because it, it, the way he developed his talent was to uh, help. It was him a coping mechanism. So mom wouldn't kill him, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's me, too. But with my family, my talents weren't valued. My dad. Well, what, at, what, at what age did you start singing? When did you know that uh, was what you wanted to do? Yeah. When I was about four years old, I remember singing for the first time. My yeah. parents got divorced. Um, when I was five and my mom got custody for a short time and she could not handle it. <laughs> and I, that's when I got raped during that time when she was, you know, responsible for me. It was a babysitter's son. But oh, man. I, she also held me up like a doll and she would dress me up and put me up in front of people and, and want me to sing. And I didn't like it. And I remember her putting me up on this platform with her. I, and in my mind, I'm four. Right. And I'm thinking, these stupid fat ladies. <laughs> I hated them. And I got on stage and I was like, turn off the red nose reindeer. And I sang flat on purpose because in my mind, I'm like, I hate these bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I was four. <laughs> so I but did. But that's your brain protecting you, though. That's your yeah. brain, even though you didn't realize it. Yeah. It was, it was kicking in. I didn't like that attention because I knew that it was inappropriate the way it was being uh, presented. Uh, at least that was my feeling at the time. And later on, I didn't start singing, actually. I was in chorus in uh, Central Junior High School in Melbourne when I was uh, in seventh grade. And that was you know, a little bit of self-esteem. But then I got put in foster care. I became a runaway. 
and all kinds of abuse came my way because I brought it on myself because I didn't really know how to have boundaries, you know? So then I, the first time I ever sang was in Cocoa Beach at the Plums Lounge. I won $50 in a talent show and I didn't know how to adjust the microphone stand. So I sang down with the mic stand down here and sang Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. But I mean, but, and and maybe I might be way off because you're performing in front of people and I've done that before, but most of my entertaining is behind a microphone where people can't see me. Um, I've always, I've always thought of it as an escape. Like when you're on stage and you're performing, like you're in your own little world. Is, is that what the appeal was to you? Absolutely. You know what? It got so bad at the end when I was drinking two, three bottles of wine a day <laughs> yeah. at home. At home, you know, uh, th- that's when it got really bad. And the only time I felt normal was when I went out, you know, on a Saturday night and stood on that rectangle and sang songs and could see the reflection of love in the people's eyes in the audience. Because it was like acceptance, right? I felt like I didn't know what I was doing the rest of the time, you know. But when I was on stage singing, I felt like I know what I'm doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, it's because- like I'm breathing and I, I, like I'm a fish in the water when I'm on stage. It just feels really natural, you know. Now, now my parents, listen, I, I, I don't want anybody to think that I had a bad growing up. My parents, my mom stayed home with me all through growing up but i was one of those kids where i would rather me get a spanking than my parents tell me they were disappointed in me and i know that sounds weird no um, normal but but like because the some of my greatest times growing up was playing baseball i i played college baseball i played high school baseball and when my dad it was something where we connected because my dad was a tough man. He he was an iron worker, construction guy, and I grew up kind of like a mama's boy because I was an only child. We had no neighbors. I grew up, and that was like the one connection where I had that that my dad was actually proud of me. Mm-hmm. And 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 I never in a million years thought I would have gotten into radio, but that's the one thing where my dad could you know tell his friends and be like, hey, my boy's on the radio, you know, yeah. check him out. And and stuff, and I know that sounds weird, and if that's my only problem, um, but um, now I want to go back. So you've been you you haven't been drinking for a year. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to talk about what was the moment, I know you wrote about it yeah. a little bit. What was the moment where you said, "All right, I need to do something." Because I've got this great family, I got this great life, and I need to make a change. Well, there wasn't just one moment. There were many moments that I said that to myself, but I kept doing the wrong thing anyway. Yeah. And that's what's so perplexing and confusing about the effects of childhood trauma on your brain. Because you're kind of like trapped in a maze, and you're just going around in a circle. And you're just so confused by your own behavior. So no wonder everybody else is. So people will start asking you stuff like, what's wrong with you? Right? But I found out the question is that should be, 
what happened to you? Because usually when somebody's behaving that way, where they're hurting themselves, even though everything in their lives at the moment is perfectly fine, then they're usually in their mind, back in the past somewhere, and their brain is still reenacting the dynamics of that trauma. Because even though that trauma happened a long time ago, for example, I was married before Jack. My second husband was a carbon copy of my narcissistic sociopath father. So I now, re- did, you, did you do that on purpose or no. do you think that's in your head? I don't no. know. We, this is the point I'd love for you to understand. We don't do any of these things on purpose. Our brains yeah. have been altered. Now, just we didn't do those I things. I hope I didn't offend you by that question. It was just something. You know, I'm telling you so okay. you know. So okay. you don't right. take any blame and right. you don't have any shame. That's what I'm concerned about. Because okay. I'm living a life now without that and it feels awesome. Because and- that's what I didn't like about AA sometimes, okay, for me. I felt there was a lot of shame involved. And for me, personally, I can't have that as a part of my equation. I have to be able to look at the things that I did as part of my journey to get to this point. And right now, I love myself. And I want to do things good for me because I love myself. And that's the difference between the way I thought in the old days. I just wanted to present the look of everything being okay. I created this personality that was rock and roll Naomi. Yeah. She's yeah. sassy and her cleavage is showing and she's on the bar and she's drinking tequila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but deep down inside, I was like, no, I'm a yoga girl. <laughs> I don't have to always be the loudest one in the room. Yeah. I really enjoy bird watching. <laughs> That person couldn't come out until I was able to make friends with that old Naomi. See, I couldn't say, well, that was bad, Naomi, drunk Naomi. I'm just going to put her behind me and never talk to her again. No, those were good times. I had a little bit of fun. I have to admit that. Have you heard of smart recovery before? No. No, I have not. Look it up on the computer, okay? Okay around 25 years or so and it's an intellectual scientific approach to addictions of all kinds okay and one of the things i liked about them was that they talk about what are you gonna do when you're done drinking or smoking or you know drugging or whatever it is your addiction is because you took a lot of time finding it doing it worrying about it recovering it from it right so when you mm. stop doing it there's going to be a lot of time right yeah. so that's when i formed this idea and this dream because before i had therapy my brain was so messed up that i didn't believe in myself and i never had a dream in my life can you believe that yeah no i i get i get what you're saying and 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 you're right because even though I'm healthier and happier physically and mentally that I'm not drinking anymore, I look back on those times and I'm like, I don't, does, is it wrong for me not to regret them? Because I actually had a good time and I'm going to go back. I remember 
I remember the first time really meeting you. Uh-huh. And, and, and it was at one of the Miss Monsters that we did out in Daytona Beach. Oh, I was wasting. Yeah, you were, you were in a different world, but guess what? So I, so was I. And, and when I was met you for the first time, I was like, holy crap, I want to party with this girl. And, and, and you were fun going and, and it was a great, I hope you don't mind me bringing that up, but I mean, it was in public, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but we, we did have some crazy times back in the day. And it's okay to, to say we had a good time. It, it's not about pretending like nothing bad happened. It's about learning from it. And But it makes you who you so, are, though. That's right. You have to embrace who you are and love yourself. Now, that's can I... Point. Now, I don't mean to get too... Are, are your parents still alive? Yes, my mother... Have my you father, talked to them about this? Well, I went no contact with my father in December um, because 15 years ago, I let him back in my life uh, because I didn't have any boundaries. I was still drinking back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I got back together with him because of genealogy. I've been an amateur genealogist for over 30 years at the same time. And it's because I was put in foster care and I was separated from my family. For 14 years, I didn't see my brothers or my family or anything. So I used genealogy as a way to keep in touch with them, even though I couldn't see them. And then I found my father's birth mother and five siblings that he did not know that he had. And so even though he was a jerk and put me in foster care and, you know, I felt like he should have that information. I just felt like my in my conscience, I couldn't withhold that information. Because it might, I don't know, change him into a nicer person. Maybe that was my thinking. So I told my brother, Mike, and he filtered it to my dad. But my dad was like, bullshit. I know it's from Naomi. Because he could see me on the, you know, ancestry websites and stuff. He'd see my name and stuff. So my dad came to one of my gigs. And then, you know, my youngest daughter was born. And he became Grandpa Tom. And it was almost like nothing happened. And uh, the pink elephant was in the room at every family gathering and I just had to get drunk because I, w- I couldn't believe that I disappeared for 14 years and nobody was saying anything, you know, and now, I was but, like, wasn't but, I important? You know, <laughs> but, but, but did that, did that kind of mess with you a little bit? Yeah. Like, that's why I was like, no, I mean, <laughs> because, because you don't want the same thing that happened to you as a kid to happen to your kids. Maybe I'm way off basis. You can tell me if I'm wrong or not. But like, were you kind of protective of your of your own kids because you didn't want them around what you went through? Well, absolutely. And one of the hallmarks of somebody that's uh, diagnosed with complex uh, PTSD is uh, hypervigilant. A lot of times, people uh, that are trauma victims they might be uh, misdiagnosed as having ADHD, and it's because they're always Scanning the room and looking out for danger, you know. And that's I have that. Hyper. I've been trying to get off the medication on it. That's the last medication I'm on. Yeah. I take a very small dosage of Adderall, yeah. but I want to. I want to get off of it completely. Well, yeah. Because to talk to the, doctor, not me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the main problem I've been having, and I know maybe it's just me, mm-hmm. since my sobriety is insomnia because oh, I yeah. was used to mm-hmm. drinking myself to sleep 
right. every single night. Okay. And does well, that sound what, weird? What exercise are you doing? Wait, what's that now? I, I work out a lot. I've lost, since I've stopped drinking and working out, I've lost almost 40 pounds. But what type of exercise? Uh, I'm doing like running, a lot of, you know, lightweight, stuff like that. Nothing and too I heavy. Just yoga? Yeah. All the now, sexy I guys are doing every it. day. What's the difference between yoga and just stretching? Okay, the difference between yoga is <laughs> and stretching is that yoga has six, synchronized movements with the breath. The breath is the really important part because women, you know, when they have Lamaze and they do breathing for pain relief, breathing is a powerful tool to, re to give relief for, for all different kinds of things. Anxiety is one of them. But when you do the moving and the breathing at the same time, it, there's something magical about it. And I go to uh, Altamont Springs Yoga over here locally. Yeah. And that place, when I first went to this place, I just wanted to get a better body for my bikini, you know? And mm -hmm. I did this class with my Linda Morales, the teacher, and she started talking uh, and doing all this spiritual uh, yoga stuff. And I was crying on the yoga mat. It hit uh, something in my heart. And I didn't know it, but I stumbled upon the beginning of my healing. And that was five years ago. It started mm -hmm. with yoga and then it went into the EMDR therapy. And then I realized that people that are traumatized behave a certain way. And I started looking at the world a different way. And I started to see, like, when I meet somebody like you. Yeah. I I can feel that you and I are similar. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes, I, I think so. I feel you because I recognize myself now. I didn't know who I was before because I was hiding behind that mask. Now I know who Naomi Bradshaw is. And I like me. <laughs> now let me ask you, so when, when you've had trauma, which I've had, and, and you, you take substances, you're always wanting to evolve. Because if you're not moving forward, you're always moving backwards. Where, where, where do you see yourself? What is the next progression for you? Or do you even know? You, you, are you taking it one day at a time? Do you have goals in your life that you, that do, do people like me and you need those type of goals to, well, to look forward to? Yeah, well, I'm just learning about goals since I never had dreams. Uh, well, I also wasn't able to achieve goals because I didn't have consistency because my emotions were always knocking me off track. But now that I have my emotions more under control, um, I have a husband who's great at planning things. And if I can humble oh, myself. Oh, dude, I know Jack. Jack, I'm <laughs> sure he has a calendar. He yeah, probably yeah. has you copied on it. You know, when I worked for Jack the last time, you get a calendar, so you get reminders. Hey, Big Daddy, you got a meeting coming up later today. You know, you don't forget about anything. So he, he yeah, always covers well, his ass. Believe me, if I could forget about something or be inconsistent about something uh, prior to getting help for my uh, chronic PTSD, uh, complex PTSD, I just couldn't do it, you know, but now... I have some long-term goals as far my goals are pretty simple. I'm not trying to make it too complicated and I'm trying to go with the flow 
and enjoy each moment because you know i don't know what's going to happen in the future you know i i just finished writing my second blog this morning that i was sure i wasn't going to be able to do for the last four days <laughs> was it because you were second guessing yourself or like oh yeah it's a battle and mostly it's between my ears you know I, even though i've done a lot of healing and growing i'm still battling the same insecurities and you know i still have to really you know make sure i go to therapy and i have to make sure that i eat enough and and drink water and get enough sleep you know and the sleep problem has been something for me but the yoga if i do it consistently that is the most important thing everything has to be done every day okay now I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad, yeah, you need, you need a regimen. You got it. You got to stay on something. Now yes. you bring that up about eating correctly and stuff. Yes. I noticed when, when I was an alcoholic, yeah. you get to the point that alcohol changes the whole physical part of your body and you start taking in alcohol is almost like a nourishment in my, yeah. in my opinion. Does yeah. that make sense? Cause I, I don't felt. Like I ate healthy while I was drinking. Well, I mean, every, like I said, I couldn't do anything consistently. So there yeah. would be times when I would attempt to, to eat healthier and then I would, you know, eat chips for a day, you know, yeah. and beer. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any uh, sense of this is my body and I need to care for it because yeah. I use it and I'm lucky to have it. You know, I didn't have that before. <laughs> now, one last question. I want to. I don't want to leave on a heavy note. Okay. I've always wondered this, and I've uh, trust me. I've I've been on and off at Real Radio. I've never heard the story. How did you and Jack meet? Like, <laughs> I I I have to ask. Like, did he come up and talk to you first, or did you see Jack and was like, oh, I got to go talk to that hunk? <laughs> you're so cute um well uh there's a place that used to be in satellite beach and it was called the cove and it yeah. was a place where uh you know martinis and a prime rib were on special every friday yeah. night you know and the band always plays unchained melody and uh, i was in the house band there and jack was the bartender and it was me and my friend Daryl Jones was on drums, and my friend Tanya Floyd was playing on the keyboards, and my ex-husband. Uh, and wait, uh, were you married at the time? Were you married? Yes, sir. Jack is the motherfucking man if he rolled up and did not give a damn. Like I'm, I hope I didn't overstep my boundary, but now stop it. I gotta, I gotta say. Jack is the man. Jack, I'm giving you a high five right now into the camera. <laughs> All right, listen. So anyway, I'm, I'm let me finish. So he was looking at the stage, you know, polishing his glasses, you know, like. Oh, he <laughs> and uh, I thought he was looking at Tanya because she's blonde and younger than me and stuff. And. You know, I was married, but it was the end of a very dysfunctional marriage. I didn't even know how to drive a car, and I was about to turn 30 years old. This man took all my money. He was 15 years older than me. So he was very controlling? Yeah, and he, you know, would, would, would feed into my insecurities so he could control me. So, um, but me and Jack started out as friends, 
and we had this phrase called obscure references. And that was because me and Jack are only one year apart. And so all, we knew what Gilligan's Island was. And, yeah. And, you know, Carol Burnett show. And he would make me, you know, mixtapes and Carol Burnett show video cassettes. And Can I ask what was on the mixtapes? Can you remember, like, any yeah, of the... Yeah, he had a subscription. I think it was called TMJ or something like that. It was like a music uh, kind of... They'd send you a, a sample CD, and it would have kind of, like, house kind of music on it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he would, uh, you know, make tapes for me. So we were good friends, and I started, you know, getting a crush on him. Uh, and then, you know, we got a little bit you know realizing that we had that crush and he wrote yeah. me a note and said no naomi we can't do this because we're i'm friends with you guys and he, he said sorry charlie and so i flushed a note down the toilet <laughs> and uh went back dried my eyes and went back and sang some songs but the, i think the next day or a couple of days after that i rode my bicycle to the jiffy mart and I called my friend up, and she brought her pickup truck, and I ran away from the big bad meanie and yeah. filed for divorce. And wow. divorced, and then after that, me and Jack, you know, when we hooked up. Oh, one last up. question. Oh, now, how did he propose to you? At Christmas time, he put oh. the ring on a tree branch. Man, Jack is a man. I got to tell you. I, I mean, Jack's very lucky, but, I mean, he is a very romantic type. And I got to tell you guys, and I'm not just sucking up to you guys. I really do, in my honesty, you guys have always had, like, something when I was married, I always strive for. You guys always seem to be that fun-loving, caring, you know, not, not that you guys were just married. You guys were just friends. And, and and that was great. And I, I'm so happy that, that you've got everything. I'm not saying you've got it worked out completely, but it seems like you're on the right path right now. And the more I talk about it and the more that I listen to the stories of other people, the more I can heal. So yeah. I'm, I've made this my life's work and I've dedicated myself to talking about it. I'm never going to go back to hiding and pretending. Uh, you know, what happened did happen, but I don't have to ruminate on it or be afraid of it. You know, these stories are powerful. I believe that if we can normalize this subject matter, then we can all feel a little less shitty. You know what I mean? That's the thing about it, though, is that the stigma that if you have problems, that you're weak. And I don't think that's the case because I grew up in a household where if I would have went to my dad, because I didn't start working on my depression and my mental issues until I had moved out, because I'm just telling you right now, and I'm not saying my dad is a bad person. It's just the way that he was raised. And if I would have went to him when I was younger and said, hey, dad, I'm depressed, he would have been like, suck it up, son. Be tough. And that doesn't make him a bad guy. It's just how the older generation was raised, in my opinion. It doesn't have to be judgment involved when it comes to your healing. And as a matter of fact, the judgment would probably stop your healing from happening as well as it could. You know what I mean? Because I used to get super pissed off at people that had different opinions of me. 
And I just realized recently, they're there to teach me at least what not to do, right? And I bet you, if you looked at your dad's father and you looked at where he came from, like tracing trauma, it's all about looking back at the prior generations and understanding their story and where they came from, because that can really help us to know ourselves on a deeper level and to avoid some of the things that they went through and avoid some of that pain, you know? And I'll admit this, when I got out, and, and I know, I don't want to keep you too long. I'm sorry if I've kept you too long, okay. but I can, I can tell that this has been a great interview because it's gone by so quick, and I know we've been talking for a while. But you know what helped me was when I got out of the hospital, the one thing I was worried about, I was like, oh, my dad, he's going to be disappointed in me. And I got to tell you, my mom and my dad were some of the most supportive people when I got out of it. They did not judge me. And, and that just made me, it filled me with warmth. I know it's not like a big thing. People but want it you to be me. okay. People yeah. want you to succeed. Well, listen, Naomi, I really, really appreciate you allowing me this interview. Thanks, um, um, like, seriously, I, I, I thought... And, and I was a little bit, you know, trying to help myself out because I thought an interview like this would help me out. Um, okay. But I also wanted to get your story out there. Well, thank you. Well, listen, I'm always going to be here in case you ever need anything. Um, you know, it seems like you got a lot of your stuff, stuff together. But what I'm so saying, you're yeah, I want to do it. So if you're okay. serious, yeah. let me know. I will drive my ass over there and, Saturday, and, uh, what, oh, today's Friday, right? Tomorrow, Saturday, I don't know if there's any spots left, but, uh, my friend, Danina Medina does yoga at Crane's Roost Park and I'm going to be there at 830. That's early. In the morning? Ooh, that's a little early, but I would do it. How about this? If, I mean, next time you have one, let me know. And I seriously, I want to try it. I would love it. I would love that because you will see, you, uh, you know what? If you start doing yoga regularly and three months from now, you'll be like, Naomi, you were right. Now, yeah, does that help you out like to get in shape though too? Like, Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. For real. You're, wow. you're what buns is steel. <laughs> well, listen, Naomi, I've always been a big fan of your, or yours. I've always like admired you and Jack and, and, and I'm sorry we lost touch too, because that's the other thing. That's the other thing since I've gotten sober and gotten out of the hospital. Like I've reconnected with my high school friends that I grew up with. And I feel bad trying to reconnect with people, you know, and I don't think there's a reason to feel bad. No, you know what? Listen to me. There should be no shame in your game. You yeah. have to, you have to the, the most important thing a trauma survivor can do is forgive themselves for doing the things they had to do to survive. Yeah. We had to do whatever it was, whatever it was. You know what? It's gone. We're here now and we're healthy yeah. and we're going to be happy. And that's all there is to it. Well, Naomi, I am so proud of you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining me. Tell people once again, if they want to check out your website and your social media, where can they check you out at? Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Tracing Trauma, and also the website, TracingTrauma.com. All right, Naomi. I'm here anytime you ever want to come on. Thank you again. Okay. Thank you. Bye.
for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Share, like, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast was brought to you by Total Wireless of Palm Bay, StitchYouUp.com, PocketBearClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions presents Show Voiceover Services brought to you by JCVoiceOverServices.com. That guy's got a goddamn sexy voice. You should hire him. If you want to help support the show, PayPal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? You want to let Tuttle know he's being a dick? Go to Tuttle at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two D's dot net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, yo, Terry, fuck going on?